Battleline podcast for the audience. I know we we spoke about 9-11-2001 as well as 9-11-2012 last episode, but to kind of peel back the curtain, we're recording this on Friday, even though you're hearing it on Monday or after, but it is 9-11 as a recording. We're going to talk about it. We also have a great guest coming on, Tom Block. Uh, but before we do, there's some great sponsors that keep this show going, keep us doing what we do. Uh, one of them, of course, being Medieval Industries. They manufacture the only fully adjustable foregrip on the market. The 360-degree VFG mounts to all tactical rails and allows you to swivel and lock the grip into any position on the fly, whether you're hunting, shooting for sport, or challenging yourself in precision tactical shooting competitions. This unique adjustable foregrip will become a natural extension of your rifle. Medieval has expanded their product line to include a quick detach tripod and most recently quick detach adjustable monopod. They've designed and engineered necessary components to create a tactical shooting system and have integrated the QD tripod into their line of modular quick detach accessories. Medieval's newest setup, the Overwatch Commander, is an extremely stable shooting platform that's quickly and easily deployed in tight spaces. This new lightweight compact system is capable of what many heavier, larger tripods on the market can do and allows for widespread accessibility because of its small footprint. The entire system weighs just under six pounds and deploys in seconds. Medieval Industries is committed to providing all gun enthusiasts with precision engineered, high quality weapon accessories. All products are designed and developed with first-rate materials for strength and endurance. I actually just talked to the guy who designed it and their creator, Steve. And I know we're going to start to see medieval stuff available in some big retailers. I don't want to mention which yet because they're not there as of now. But uh, what they're doing is completely innovative. It's unlike anything else in the market right now. And you know you know that better than anybody. Yeah, yeah, brother. They do a fantastic job as far as the ability to get in natural positions, a, a lot of the stuff that you have with the attachments, especially four grips or, or when you're doing tripod mounts, which nobody really has a, a small tripod mount, especially a QD tripod mount, which can you, and you quick detach means you can put other pieces to it. Like I say like Legos, but uh, you know, a little bit, but a little stronger than Legos. <laughs> but the thing is, it's being able to get in those natural body positions. You're just more comfortable and you can get a better sight picture. You can be more stable and you fatigue so much less. People forget that. They just forget. They think that they're going to be able to keep going and keep going, keep going. And I'm telling you right now, you just never know if you're ever in a firefight, how long that's going to last. God forbid you ever have to be in one. I, I hope nobody ever is one. But sometimes they do last as long as 13 hours, quite possibly. I've heard that happen. Uh, so uh, you, I don't want to laugh want to because be- this is it's a serious, you know, <laughs> no, I don't know how to, how to even respond to that. But, yeah, of course, of course. but, but the other thing is, is that you, you do want to maintain as much uh, of that energy as you can in, in natural body position, how you do that. So you're not having to muscle everything into position. And that's what means. And again, just a smart guy that, that Steve is awesome and did something that I, I wish I would have thought of sitting in my barracks here in Iraq. And I didn't, it's something that, that, that he's got by the forefront and you should check him out. Definitely check him out. Uh, when you get a chance, medieval, medieval industries, fantastic company. And Steve is a tremendous individual, well, tremendous ethics and, and just great overall, overall guy. When you talk he really wants to help. Yep. You say it best, man. And it's mid-evil.com. This thing is getting high praise in the special operations community, not just from you, from Navy SEALs, all different types of guys. So check them out, mid-evil.com. 
you, you hear us regularly talk about CBD. CBD has become extremely popular in the past year, making it more and more difficult to navigate and choose the right company and product. That's where Ned comes in. They produce the highest quality full spectrum CBD extracted from organically grown hemp plants, all sourced from an independent farm in Peonia, Colorado. Ned is a wellness brand offering science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs, zero isolates, no synthetic ingredients, and you've heard us talk about their third-party lab testing uh, all right there on the site. So check it out. Ned Full Spectrum Hemp Oil only contains two ingredients, Full Spectrum Hemp Extract and non-GMO Extract MCT Oil. That's it. Uh, cannabinoids have a wide range of benefits and regulate nearly every biological system in the human body. So whether you're using it as a sleep aid, anti-inflammatory, pain reliever, post-traumatic stress, it's doing great things for people. We've talked about the immunity blend that they have, the body butter, of course, and be among the first to try Ned's new product before it even comes out. For a limited time, they'll automatically add one free sample, $12 value, with any purchase of $40 or more um, of their sleep blend sample, which people are loving. And uh, I know you use everything from the body butter, immunity yeah. blend. We, we talk about Ned all the time. Just a great company, great people. And they, they, they help, uh, you know, even on a day like today, you're going to hear me joke a little bit. It's how I deal with stress a bit throughout the episode here, but, um, you know, they, they have helped me, helped me and has given me that little push to, to get over the edge and, and, and get past the, the, the hard, you know, the demons that then veterans know what I'm talking about, especially the demons that, that used to come in the daytime and the night. And it is the CBD oil is, it's helped me level out and it, it's helped me get that smile back uh, that I, I was missing for two, three years. And, and you know, I, I have to say, I, I'm glad they came into our, our lives, especially podcast lives, but just my life in general, because it's, it's made me feel like the Tonto of old again. Um, granted, you have to do a lot with your head to get it right, but sometimes you need that little push. And that little push was the CBD oil. And I never would have tried it if it wasn't for this podcast. And and it wasn't for Ned coming to us and, and saying, hey, we, we want to be part of the podcast. There's a lot about yeah. their character as well. So, you know, guys, try it. If veterans are having issues, give it a shot. And uh, and anybody that's having issues with those demons that come in the day and the night, it, the CBD oil works well. And the body butter for you guys that work out fantastic stuff my elbow that used to be sore all the time is is gone the, the soreness is completely out of it uh, it's it's just a tremendous thing for you do check out ned they're tremendous a tremendous company tremendous individuals there in colorado for sure yeah and uh you know we've said it before the, the one disclaimer that we always add is if your livelihood depends on yeah. you taking a drug test uh the cbd does contain a minuscule amount of thc you're not going to get high or anything like that but it's less than 0.3% as allowed by law. So if it's your livelihood, you may want to skip out on it and, you know, try some of the other stuff like the body butter. But um, for the rest of you, it's, it's a miracle. So yeah, check it out. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the podcast audience. Go to helloned.com slash battleline or enter code battleline at checkout for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order, plus free shipping. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash Battleline to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your subscription order, plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned.
Also, of course, every show you hear us talk about Fort Scott munitions. Fort Scott is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as direct online through fortscottmunitions.com. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order, only available to listeners of this podcast, the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE podcast. Appreciate you guys checking out all of our great sponsors. Let's get right into everything. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Twitch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. <laughs> You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The switch is on, Battle Line Podcast, and there's a lot to get into. But I mean, first and foremost, even before we recorded, of course, just reflecting on this day, 9-11-2001 is a big date for all of us, any red-blooded American, and 9-11-2012 for you. I, I can't say more. You know, it hits home as personal as it gets. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough day. Um, I, honestly, I'm thinking about it. Like, why the hell did I say I do a podcast on, on 9-11? <laughs> I was like, I was like, if well, yeah, I remember you did say though because Tom Block was coming on. You were yeah. like, you know what? I've got my Ranger buddy. I think I'll I'll get through this. I, and that's that. Tom will Tom will help me. And Tom's been through his own his own. Believe me, his adversity. But you'll hear his story here. But, he's a legend. Yes, he, he is. He's he's uh, just a, and he's just a just a fantastic guy and a fantastic father. Just a tremendous father and husband. But um, yeah, it's it's tough. But you know, I I, I can't say that the thoughts uh, that have gone from that night don't go on every day. Um, it, it's uh, so you know, it's it's um, just something you, you deal with. It, and it, there's other things that pop up as far as the the, the many deployments that I've I've been lucky enough to do. But you know, you just you get through the day and you handle it. And I have a tremendous family that helps me get through it. And a five-year-old, that's why I love five-year-old. He ignorance is truly bliss. You know, he doesn't know what's going on. He just knows he wants to play with daddy. 
So that gets me out of that mindset too. But it's tough. But we'll we'll get through it today, and and we'll have a good episode. And and um, for all of you that that just go through adversity, like I I go through every once in a while, you just keep grinding through. You keep taking that step, and and eventually, eventually, that you get through it. And and sometimes you learn a lot from. It. Sometimes you have a good day out of it. So we'll yeah. see. It's gone. It's gone okay so far. Got my coffee here, talking to Ian, and we're we're you know it's it's a nice day out. I, rambling a little bit so obviously i'm a little bit out of my out of my mind state more than more than normal but it's no it's i i i completely get it you know and you're talking about your son i, I think i just always see kids are smarter than than we sometimes realize how much of it do you think he comprehends of, of what you even did five-year-old nothing 15 year old he he knows of course yeah of course. That, you know and i never tell i haven't told this story this is a story when i went to yemen after benghazi my 12 year old my daughter who would have been Six that was uh what's it twenty twenty seven years ago so she would have been five at the time. This was the only time it ever happened. Every time I go to the airport and leave, you know, it'd be it was tough for the kids a little bit, but they they were so used to it because I was gone all the time from they were born. It was like I was just saying, "Daddy's going to work." And that one time, I don't know how she figured it out because Benghazi would have happened when she and the movie hadn't come out. Nothing had come. Nobody, Angie, we talked about it a little bit with my wife. And I remember uh, she started crying. She never cried. Never cried. She started bawling. She was five. And, and she was still a little girl. Still, still in a little booster seat. And she, she, she says, Daddy, I don't want you to go fight back at me. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. That's never happened. In 10, it was 11 years of that. So that was, I remember that because that, that was tough because, uh, and I had to go, you know, I'd already signed up. I was going to plane to head over, head over to Sanaa, over to Yemen and either go to Sanaa. And so, uh, you know, that, that was a, that was a turning point for me. Like maybe, maybe this chapter needs to close. And then of course the path led us to that way. God worked in mysterious ways, brother. Maybe that's, that's what the intention was. But I remember that, uh, that just as much as I remember 9-11 and that night in 9-12, seeing all the firefights, things going on, fighting, get, you know, shooting, shooting guys and, getting shot at and watching Ron and, and Bub get blown up. I mean, I, I watched them get blown up. It's not like a figure of speech. I was shooting over their heads when the mortars were hitting that rooftop. And I saw the mortar that actually hit and just blasted everybody on that roof. And it was, so that, that, that hurts me just as much because it was like, Oh my gosh, what have I been doing with my kids? And, and, and um, but but that that sticks with me, and and sticks that that your kids really do know what's going on, even if you think that they don't from an early age. Because yeah, that that hurt, that really did hurt. Yeah. But it came back and and um then the then the other three years of a chapter that had its own trials and tribulations with the book and the movie happened. But it got me to the point where I'm at now, and where we're at now with the podcast and things are you know things are things are great. They're right, great. fantastic. So it's just. Just gotta keep. That's what I talk to people. Just keep grinding. It's awful, but keep moving. Sometimes it's great. Keep moving forward, and and you're gonna be on the path that you're supposed to be on. Just don't fight that path. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and and it did. But I do remember that. I, I still remember. I remember her little face, and she was just she was just bawling. And I had to. I was like, I cut my wife, and like I gotta go. Hugged her, and I, I got out of there because I, I I think if I would have watched her for another five seconds, I would have not won. And uh, I just felt like I had to get back on that horse though and go get get go back overseas one more time at least just to say okay I'm not going to let this mess me up from and maybe nobody's going to come and help us but I do know I have my teammates around me there so I know that I at least got a few guys there that got my back let's go overseas again even though I didn't really believe in the mission 
I, I, ne- I never asked you this, but it's, you know, and I don't even know if you've really talked about it, but I, I think, especially here in New York on today, because of 9-11-2001, there's always kind of a strange feeling on the, in the air. People don't discuss it. It's like, in, uh, it, it, we all know, as, as long as you're of a certain age, that we all remember what happened on this day. And it's all, it's in the back of all of our minds. You're not going to go, you know, I was just at the bank. You're not going to talk to people about it, but we're all thinking about it on some level, just as red-blooded Americans. On that day, 9-11-2012 was, was kind of 9-11-2001 in the back of your mind on some level? Um, no, I, you know, you have the remembrance because there, it comes on the TV sets, even on the, uh, even on the Al Jazeera networks and the, uh, and the four networks, Alibia was a, was a TV network over there. It still played around the world because it was a huge attack. I mean, you attacked the United States from her base. You flew two missiles. It got hit by two missiles, which is a which is which is unheard of. You know, oh my gosh, America's getting attacked everywhere. Everywhere else in the world, it happens except the United States of America. That's what's so great about our country. So it was huge, it's huge news still in other countries as well, not just the United States and even in the Middle East and North Africa. So yeah, we were watching it on TV. You know, you go to the Chow Hall; it's on TV. You can't, you cannot not find something about nine eleven two thousand one. No matter what country you're in, on nine eleven, you can't. It, it's going to be everywhere. yeah. Um, and by the way, can I just uh, jump in here? I'm thinking you're saying symbolically missiles. Because <laughs> you know the conspiracy theories. Oh, out there. Like, oh no! Anto says that the world. No, no, no. Okay, missiles. okay. Let's, let's let's put. But if you, I mean, if you look at it, what is an airplane? It's a big, no, for sure. But you, you know, you know all the stuff out there. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. if hey, for all you crazy, crazy conspirators, I am not saying that we flew missiles. <laughs> oh my gosh! As See? crazy as it is, do you know this? Of and and you know, I just that. have to laugh. I guess at some of the stuff, but. There was a guy, and you can look this up. I'm not making this up. There was a economics advisor in the Bush administration who has the craziest conspiracy theory of them all. He believes that the planes were a hologram, that they weren't. They weren't even actual planes. And it's like, how do people believe this? Stuff, you know, that's why I jumped in. There. I, no, I do because I, I do laugh, and I'm glad because it breaks attention, brother. It is. It's hard for me today, and and it makes me laugh because yeah, I, I'm no. That's just silly. That's just a silly. But you know. Get back on the nine eleven. You you do. I, I, you're you're working though too. So and honestly, you at that point too. A lot of guys, especially I think within the community, Delta Seal Rangers and PACPs and, and CCTs and PJs. We really it was it was it was it was part of a war. It was part of an attack, and we don't get bogged down on. It. I did. I didn't say, oh my gosh, this was terrible for me. it was, but it wasn't. It it doesn't stick with me throughout the. It doesn't. It was shit. We got attacked. Well, this is why I'm here. Okay, well, I'm doing my job. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. So you feel bad, but you don't, you don't, it doesn't really, it did, at least me, it didn't, it wasn't like something hidden in the back where we could talk about it. Also, I'm, I'm around a bunch of guys that we can talk about. It's not like something we have to keep quiet. It's like, hey, remember that? Remember what happened? Where were you at? What were you doing? God, with those sons of bitches hit it. You know, we, we can talk about it out in the open. So maybe that's the difference especially when you're deployed, you know, you do discuss it, but then you just go on throughout your day because you have ops and missions you got to get done throughout the day. So you don't really think about it because you, you got, you got your own safety. You have to think about it. And then, you know, like, like what happened with us, we didn't know at the time, but we were going to have our own nine 11. And I think if we would have just been, you know, worried about it, we're, we're thinking about it all day about what happened in our own country. Um, 
during the attack in 2001, you know, the outcome probably would have been different in 2012, but we did, you know, you, okay, what happened? Put it aside. All right, we got a job to do. What's, what do we have to do today? What is my op tempo today? What's my mission plan today for what I have to do? Am I on QRF today? What do I have to get done to make sure that if we have roll that gate, everything's working so you can immerse yourself in other things where I, I think a lot of people don't have, especially now, can't even, I mean, there's no place to go, no place to work, no place to really hang out. Um, I think it will get better, but, you know, people that don't have a lot to do, uh, I think will can dwell on it. And it can, it can take you down that, that, that path that puts your brain in, in the wrong mindset where you're, you're, I don't know, you can go down that slippery slope of, of, of all the way to hell. Listen, I mean, literally. Um, so, um, yeah, bro, I, I, I overseas whenever it happened and I was overseas deployed quite a few times when 9-11 came about, it was, okay, it happened. Well, I'm here working. This is why I'm here. So uh, let's go figure out what we need to do for it. And you just didn't let it eat at you or sit at you or think that there was a retribution. Oh, we got to get them back. Oh, 9-11, we got to kill everyone. No, it wasn't like that either. It was, ah, we got a job to do. What do I have to do today? All right, that's shit. It happens. I'm here. This is the reason I'm here. I signed up for this stuff. This is what I want to be doing. All right, what's my, what's my, what, do, what needs to get done today? And then you just go on with life. And, and, um, and, and, but you do remember, I, and I still, I, I still have, I still, the haunting pictures, you know, I have my own thoughts of 9 11, 2012, but the pictures I have in my head of 9 11, 2001, I have a few. And I think still anything were the people jumping out of the buildings. That is just, you know, that, that's, that's stuff that, that no matter how hardened you are, Watching somebody jump from a 50-story building just to escape the flames and having pictures of their bodies plummeting to the earth, that that's that's going to get anybody. So that's why you, you, but you can't let it eat at your brain all day. Go find something to do. That's why today, you know, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go make myself busy so I don't let just those images, but also the images that I have, vivid images on the ground that night and 2012, I won't let him get to. You got to find a way to not let him. That makes sense. So, man, I went around about it. No, but what you're saying is true. And, and you know what? I think, and before we get to Tom, but I, I think it's safe to say, and you could tell me right or wrong, it wasn't a coincidence that they picked that date. Oh, no. And it wasn't right. a YouTube video. Oh, it was, oh, it was, oh, there was a reason. And, and, you know, I, I've always said the enemy is, and we'll, yeah, we'll get through, give this quick. The enemy is a lot smarter than what you think. They use they use propaganda better than anybody in the world. They use the social media networks better than any anybody in the world as far as recruiting. And of course, they picked that because that was that was symbolic. And they had a huge high value target that wasn't protected. I don't think people realize Ambassador Stevens. That's you're like attacking the vice president of the United States. You're attacking a three star general. You're going to get a three star general that's unprotected. He is looked at highly in, in Libya as as a savior of Libya. He loved the Libyan people. They loved him. And for have him flapping out there, I mean, it, it couldn't have fell in their laps any better. Than that. Oh, here you go. Yeah. So, yeah, of course. And, and we would have done the same thing. It's, it's completely symbolic. And I just didn't think they did the research enough to know or they just didn't think that we were very strong as far as the six of us there that we had a group there that could respond. And that wasn't really what we were there for us to respond to things like that and then do our own little ops. So uh, luckily for us, they, they made a, they made a little bit of a mistake, um, but they, they did still, maybe not. I didn't think they were trying to kidnap him, brother. I don't really think they were trying to kill him. I think they were, that would have been more symbolic, 
but they did accomplish at least a secondary goal, which was they they made it a statement, and he did end up dying, and and um and, and then Sean Smith and then Tyrone and, and Glenn. So they they did accomplish this goal as far as making a statement, but I don't think that was their original plan was to go in because they could, they could have if they would have come with the car bomb, they could have killed us all. They could have just blown the shit out. I mean, we couldn't have done a damn thing about it because we didn't have any assets that could handle a car bomb of the magnitudes I saw in Iraq and Afghanistan. So that's why I don't think their true intention was to kill everybody. It was to take prisoners and then to, to use them as propaganda. And we just happened to put a monkey wrench in that. Plan. All right, guys. So, um, Here's the thing. Uh, Tom is joining us by speakerphone because we've had a bunch of different technical glitches with uh, with Squadcast. I, I realized that Tom is on uh, Apple computer, so we've had issues with that. Then we tried Skype. Long story short, we are back on Squadcast. We're trying to make this work. Tom is on by speakerphone, and we're going to work with what we have here. So Sergeant Tom Block, Army Ranger combat vet, recipient of many de- different distinguished military achievements as well as I should mention, 2014 Army Time Soldier of the Year, now working in the field of combating human trafficking, child sex trafficking, huge issues that need to be spoken about. And uh, luckily, we do have guys in the special operations community that are that are fighting that fight. Uh, there's, a, there's actually a chapter about Tom Block in the Patriots Creed by Chris, which is out now. Technical glitches aside, very glad to have you on for the first time, Tom, and, uh, and be speaking here. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. <laughs> Did you say that? It says like deja vu, man. Did you say that like three times already? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Holy shit, dude. Well, it's good to have you on too, man. I I appreciate you coming on, brother, and, and putting up with all of our all of the all of our snafus and shit show that we've got going on right now. But it's nine eleven. We've got to have some fun with it. Gotta make gotta make some humor out of this whole thing. So man, appreciate it, buddy. Having a couple laughs already with it. I love it. Man, I know you've got your own story, you know, and because of the technical glitches that we've been having, and we'll probably have a few more because Murphy Murphy's rearing his ugly head today. Um, But tell, if you can, and and we always get a lot of listeners. We've got a lot of young listeners, guys that want to go in the military. So they do want to hear about your service and and talk about it. And I, I, I understand how hard it can be to talk about some of the things, but I'd like you to get right into that if you could. Just your military service, why you joined, and, and then also um, even even the uh, the 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 day that, that that really. I mean, being a ranger, you're always changing your life forever. There's always a day that changes your life forever when you're when you're going with the 75th Range Regiment. But you know, getting even into that day that that did change your life and made you you know made you go on a different path. So, man, the the, the floor is yours. Say what you want joke what you want do how you want to be be a, be a ranger and, and 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 just be yourself brother and, and tell these guys you know what 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 you decided what you wanted to do and how you how you wanted to get to that point of being the accomplished ranger you were and then how you dealt with the adversity after after the attack yeah um so i guess you know it all starts with um it's kind of funny how the, how we're doing this on this day. This day was a big uh, turning point in my life, as as it was. I mean, I was in high school at the time, so I got to see it all happen on our box TVs that were hanging up on the on the wall in uh, first and second and third hours of school. And um, from that point on, I knew I wanted. I had a burning desire to want to serve. Um, I was doing pretty good at wrestling in high school. Like I was a wrestler all through my life. 
and um, I ended up getting a scholarship to college for wrestling. So that kind of put my um, plans to serve on hold because I wanted to see how far I could take wrestling and maybe get an education at it. Well, I found out in college real quick that I was okay at wrestling and really good at drinking beer and chasing girls and not <laughs> so good at school. So <laughs> I uh, finished up my, my four years of eligibility with, uh, with college wrestling and uh, signed up for the Army without hesitation. Um, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> so I got four years of college, but I don't have a degree. So it's kind of funny. I'm like, yeah, I spent four years in college. Like, oh, what'd you get a degree? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. So it was one of those things. I, I had to get out of town and, and grow up a little bit if I wanted to take myself seriously or if I have anybody else to take me seriously for that matter. Um, and you know, the natural choice of that is to join the army and go to war. Right. I mean, that's, that's the thing to do. <laughs> so, um, so, uh, I, I get, I go through basic training and all this kind of stuff and, uh, and, um, doing pretty good. The drill sergeants are more, more, uh, are, are well, not more impressed, just more impressed than everybody else. That sucks. In, in basic training, because we all remember how cool we thought we looked, and then we look hindsight being what it is, and we were cherry as fuck. Oh, I, I, and that's the thing is, I had my BCGs. I remember having my, because I saw it blasted at the time. Oh, I looked, I looked so hot in my birth control glasses, dude. And we had the old school ones. I didn't have my Ranger specs yet. So, oh, I got pictures of that going, oh my gosh. How did I, how did I ever stay married with my, these? I mean, I'm glad I was. I would never have picked up a girl at all. Basic training. If I wasn't there, there's just no way. You're just the ugliest, god awful freaking things I've ever seen, dude. There's just no way to look cool wearing those. No. <laughs> you're like a big freaking dork. <laughs> and then on top of it, you're actually tall and lanky, so you stick out in a formation as the biggest dork. <laughs> I still stick out as the biggest dork. So there, there's, there's nothing to hide there. I just, I just. I, well, Yeah, you know, and that's I, I went through RIP and the, the three weeks in Doc Rasp 
and maybe go in the, you know, talk about the eight weeks of, uh, you know, you're going through it and you're, you're getting a lot of the, the three weeks we didn't learn chip, it just had to get the hell beat out of us, you know. So the eight weeks when you get it, or you're learning a little bit more, so you're more prepared because I, you know, you, you didn't have the time, I guess, to get trained up when you got to be a private at battalion. So you had to be ready to step off, you know, step off the plane, go to your battalion, and then you could have been deployed like the next day because we were we were at war. Um, so what, tell me, you know, in those eight weeks. You know, did they get you trained up? Were they teaching you more about how to be a ranger and less just how to suck as being how to suck like a <laughs> like a ranger where you're just getting the hell beat out of you every day? Well, so let's 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 cut back to the fact that I was one of the one of the first classes of rafts to go. So it's been ten years and a lot of evolution is I'm praying to God a lot of evolution has happened since then. <laughs> um, even when I was in there was there was some evolution happening um, with how they with how they're figuring out the best way to go about RAST. Um, but I would still say that the um, mentality of let's take these privates, let's see if they're tough enough, yeah, um, <clears throat> mentally tough and physically tough enough. You know, the first half we're going to teach them a little bit here and there. Well, mostly we're just going to kick your shit in and see how see how tough you are and if you can ha- if you can hack it. And then the second half is, all right, let's give you a familiarization of things that we do in regiment. And that's going to be your mobility, airborne ops, um, okay. shooting. So your marksmanship, your CQB, uh, they'll, they'll teach you a little bit of combatives. Uh, so that way, at least you've gotten into a fight, at least before you get to battalion. <laughs> and then some uh, um, explosive training as well. So like all your breaching. Oh, and stuff okay. Breaching, all right. That matter whether it's explosive, mechanical, or what have you. Sure. Um, so by no means do you come out of RASP an expert in all these facets of range regiment or the five pillars, but you do um, you do have a good familiarization. You've at least seen it before, so that way when you go to your team leader and they take you out to the range to uh, set up a 18-inch ECT, you've at least seen it and you've at least seen what Got it, it does. Got it. Okay. So, and that, and that was, I would say, yeah, when we got to, when we got to battalion, we did know a thing or two about that. We knew how to calculate, uh, minimum safe distances and stuff like that with, uh, breaching. We did learn a little bit about, uh, CQB, uh, or how to barrier shoot mm-hmm. a, a little bit better. Um, but the bulk of our training happened once we got to battalion. Sure. We just got familiarization and that was it. And, and honestly, that, that's how it should be, because if you're getting the bulk of the training at the time, because you're going to be on your squad, you're working with your teammates and so forth. But that, that was that's what I assumed. And that's good. But it's good to hear that they're still and, and you can't I'm not going to dumb it down or try to church it down a little bit. You're still getting your shit kicked in because you get you got it. And I mean, that's that's essential for 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 all your pre pre-selection vetting to go into battalion to earn. The, the, well, the tambourine right now, which my old ass, I still got my black one. So, um, but but that's good to hear. So when you got there, man, you know you've been there for a few years. Uh, when did you start deploy? Did you start deploying right away, or was it were you? How was the rotation? I mean, how long were you there to really get get familiarized with with regiment and before you got on the bird and headed overseas? So I have heard it where. Uh, you get to battalion and then like a couple days or you know a couple weeks later they're you yeah. know heading out um 
Sometimes it, it, I would say it's company dependent, battalion dependent, you know, on the need. Uh, I've heard privates going with right away, you know, getting their two weeks block leave after being in battalion for five days, getting their initial issue and then going. I've also heard them um, uh, going over mid rotators so that way they can get fully in process, uh-huh. get all their shit. Yeah. Um, it, I guess you could say it's, you know, it's still needs dependent. Um, but, you know, I've been out for now, you know, four years so it could be different sure um but i got there um and you know thankfully i got there when i did because i got there when they uh were when they just came off their last deployment and were on block leave ah, okay. so i got for uh eib get all my initial issue all that stuff all the getting in the barracks finding my uh where i'm going to be in the at the at the company ao and you know getting settled in and then they all came back and were like, ah, fresh. <laughs> I had been in battalion a little bit and I actually know where a few things are. So that way I wasn't completely fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> that for all you out there, that is the worst feeling. I came my second time in, I came when they were, when everybody was on block leave and then coming back. So yeah, that is the worst feeling in the world as a new private when you're there and you're just every day waiting for people to come back and you're the new guy. It, you're just, the, your mind goes so many different directions. You're like, oh shit, what are they going to do to me? And you're just waiting in the squad room until the squad comes back from whatever they're coming back on. It is, oh man, the, 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 the private that came back at that time were, you know, salty as hell because they just got off Team Merrill. So they were, they were, uh, they were crushing salt in Kandahar and, and uh, I come back, and I'm this, you know, green as can be, wet behind the ears, baby. Oh my. And the only thing that helped me was the fact that I was 225 and stacked. Just because um, of, of how the audio quality is here, we're going to go a little bit shorter than, than we usually do. And I do want to hear your story more in depth. And at some point, we will do a part two. But if it's all right, I want to fast forward to the story that's talked about in Chris's book, The Patriots' Creed, um, because it's a remarkable story. One more outburst from you, Ian, and I was strangling you. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Well said. I, 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 no, I, and honestly, yeah, Tom, I, I'd like to, you know, people there, I know it uh, because, of, of course, the story, and I know it fairly well. And then, uh, we talked to Luke, Luke Ryan a little bit about Luke was there with you. Um, but I, I would love people to hear because it, it's just, I, I can't even imagine. And you're, you're, how you overcame, not just that, but overcame after, after the incident and how you've succeeded, probably. I'd, I'd, I'd love for the listeners to hear that really uh, before, before yeah. the audio really. Uh, to uh, you know, to kind of, to kind of keep continuing on with, uh, with the story, got to battalion, you know, made friends, uh, you know, took my shots when I, when I had him comment and was on my fourth deployment, um, in three years, uh, each deployment was about, uh, four months long, uh, two weeks before deployment, you get vacation, two weeks after deployment, you get vacation. And then in between that time, it is nothing but training. Right. Yeah. And then you're up for your next deployment and it's rinse, recycle, repeat. And, um, so I was on my fourth deployment and, uh, we were in Kandahar. So Southern Afghanistan yep. and you know, it was, it was good deployment. I was having fun. We were getting on some good missions. Um, and we got, and we got the, the mission and it happened to be the day after my birthday. So I was all amped up and, um, 
uh, my buddy Pat Hawkins, his birthday was uh, October 2nd. Believe it, maybe it was the first. I'll check. Um, either way, it was our it was our birthday mission. And then I had another private who his birthday was October 3rd. So we were all amped up. It was like our birthday missions that we're going to go out on and, uh, you know, do God's work. And so we have birds spin up, or we get the, you know, warno drops, we get ready, uh, get the brief, birds spin up. I remember the heat from the engines, all that stuff. Um, still hear the rotors and uh, run onto the back of the 47 and they pick, they taxi on the runway, pick up, and we're off. Five minutes later, we're landing on the X about, you know, 150 meters off uh, the compound. It was a right turn out the back door and we're right there. And then that's, and right after that, it was a couple matter of, it was a matter of, uh, uh, minutes and, um, some broken ass patch too on my part, but we got <laughs> across and Hey, they somewhat listened until the chick jump up, ran at me and, uh, and, uh, blew herself up. Thankfully, uh, she pulled the trigger a little early and, uh, I used her boyfriend, uh, um, to, as a human shield, and I'm pretty sure that's what saved my life. Wow. Um, because he vaporized and she vaporized. I, I, and actually, so that chick is probably a dude in a burka. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's a very manly looking chick. It's not out of the realm of possibilities. I'm just gonna say that. Um, <laughs> and so, um, from you know, the bomb goes off. Um, I'm throwing like, I think 30 feet and, uh, and I'm, I'm just sitting there going like, Holy fuck, did that just happened. It's like the biggest kick in the nuts I've ever experienced in my life. Wow. Like seriously, it was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm going to puke up my pelvis now. God. And, um, and I just remember sitting there going like, all right, they blew us up and went for the machine gun fire. So I'm just going to lay still because it was a big boom. And, you know, complex ambush beans, what they are, they blow you up and then hit you with machine gun fire. But I'm just hearing explosions, more explosions. There's no gunfire. I'm like, man, I better say something. Or if, if I die, my wife is going to be pissed. She wasn't my wife, my girlfriend. But, yeah, I was like, man, I better say something so I don't fucking die. And or else I'll, she'll be pissed and I'll never hear the end of it. And so I raised my hand. I was like, help over here, help over here. And then all of a sudden I hear a little... Peter 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 Peter. Oh fuck. You're gonna be alright, buddy. I'm like, great, I'm fucking dead. <laughs> from, from the guy that the, from the guy that came over and helped me out. And uh, it just happened to be uh the senior medic, uh the battalion senior medic, and um he pulled some life saving shit for me that night. Um, like administrative freeze dried plasma. Wow. Uh had um collapsed lungs, so we had a we had to do some needle decompressions. I think I remember looking down and seeing three of them in my chest. Um, I remember talking to him, uh, like, uh, walking, like walking and talking through with like blood sweeps and stuff like that. Being like, Hey, my, you know, it's kind of hard to breathe and everything, you know, trying to like keep myself mentally, um, not panicking by remembering all the RFR training and just, saying it when I, when I felt it and going through it with what I was thinking with him and, wow. um, through it, we got together. So he did, he did blood sweeps. We ended up putting, cause I got fucking quads cause I'm a squat-tastic man. <laughs> you are. <laughs> tourniquets on each leg. It was pretty crazy. Um, in order to get the bleeding to stop. 
and uh, and then um, uh, we, he ended up giving me some free strike plasma and then inoculating my right eye in the field from what I remember hearing from the doctors later on. It was a field inoculation. So um, then he jabbed his fingers in my face. And I'm pretty sure he, he uh, tickled my skull or my brain. Wow. Um, that, that was awesome. <laughs> and uh, this all happened in 10 fucking minutes. And I was on a bird back to Kandahar Airfield. Wow. It was crazy. So they were on their shit that night for Medivac. It was great because that's probably what saved my life truth told. And then uh, some time in some time in uh, Cannon Harbor getting uh, stabilized with a chest tube and some fluids in me. And then a um, uh, quick stop in Longshul. Maybe Longshul was when I got the chest tube. Anyways, by the time we got to Bethesda, Maryland, I had a chest tube and I was pissed off because that's when I woke up and I didn't know where the fuck it was. And I, apparently I was yelling at nurses through a trick in my, in my throat, which was awesome. It scared them. Wow. That- <laughs> You sound like Stephen Hawking when you're doing that, dude. I just had to throw that in there. When you're yelling, I'm through your trach tube. I did probably. <laughs> They're like, "Where is he saying?" And I'm like, "Where am I?" <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then they then they finally got me to calm down a little bit and everything. And then you know, from that point on, is surgeries and road to recovery every time. Sure. And um, it's just. I think I think my I actually I not think I know that my wrestling uh, background because I wasn't always a great wrestler I was a very very shitty wrestler for a very long time and um, so I got the piss beat out of me a lot and taught me a little bit about adversity training and everything like that and I'm willing to bet that that had a hell of a lot to play sure. with uh, my road to recovery and the resilience my attitude um, with it. Um, and then on top of that, too, I had a great support system through all my Ranger brothers while I was still at third bat. I don't think, I mean, even with what I, what I just told you about all my background with the adversity and stuff, I don't know if I could have done without them. Probably wouldn't have. I probably would have freaking sucked star at a 45. Right. Um, but I didn't because I had my family there, my Ranger brothers. And, my, and then on top of my family and my awesome wife that just stuck by me and put up with my bullshit until I came out of it. That's amazing. No, that, and that's important. I tell people, I, and I tell other veterans that you, you got your brothers, you have your people you serve with, but you do need that fam, that that immediate family as well. And I think a lot of guys think they they don't, or or they go on tan and they 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 have multiple wives over, and they just can't get a relationship, and they can't figure out why they're not happy. I'm like, well, here's what you're missing. You've got your buddies. You've got. You can eat. Some of them are even still working, or if you're not working, they're doing things that they enjoy to do, but they're missing that family structure, which is a wife and your kid. If you have kids, missing your kids. And that's, I think you and I are on the same page is, is, is and just from when you wrote, when I, you know, you wrote your story and, and, you know, listen to your story about how you overcame adversity. And it was the same with me. I was going through a hard time when I was writing the Patriots Creed and I was listening and, and listening to what you, how you were overcoming it, how you, dealing with it and it was it was the wife man it was that was that was the one i was like well i'm doing everything that he's doing why am i still feel like shit and it's like wait a second he's got something that i don't oh well there it is and i i admire that because because there are guys that, that don't think that's that's what can make them happy and I'm like that is what needs to make you happy having a good solid foundation at home with your wife and then i said i remember when we talked you're, you're you have a you have a, a small daughter and you're a great father i remember calling you when I was running in Grand Junction, calling you and you were having to 
<laughs> you're having to deal with your daughter who was just losing her losing her mind and you handled it so calmly man where i was like oh my gosh i can't i can't even i i, I remember those days where you just couldn't make your child happy and, and you were doing an amazing job so bro i was that's great that's great to hear and i, I we want to have you on again because i do want you to get a better a better uh sound quality but I, I want people to follow you. I follow Tom Block and, and Tommy Block. Is it Tommy Block? What do we got in on Instagram? Tommy Block on Instagram. Yeah, Instagram, Tommy Block 52. And, and read a story and then read about Tom. And and the dude does have squat. He is the squat master. No, he has quads for me. He has the sexiest quads in the world. Better, even better than <laughs> Rudy Reyes, I think. He was easy, even better quads than real Rudy Reyes. And, um, the dude, the dude is has overcome so much more than I could even imagine, and he's still just, just a, just a fucking, just a good dude. <laughs> After all that, and, and um, I, I know we didn't talk about it, but I do, I because I think it's a big, it's something that people remember, and I love you. You have a prosthetic eye, dude. What, what do you have on that eye? You don't mind me asking. So, uh, so funny thing about that eye, um. You know, kind of going back to being a knucklehead ranger every now and then. Just this last weekend, Labor Day weekend, I was jet skiing on Newfound Lake in New Hampshire. You lost it? You did? You lost it? <laughs> I lost it. It's at the bottom of the lake. Okay. What, <laughs> what was it then before you? Fucking ranger. I swear, dude. You can't give rangers anything. They're going to break it or lose it. <laughs> Chris, his credit for the story. There was a Captain America shield on that particular eye. Uh, that was, and actually, if you guys search Tom Block on the internet, you can see that, and it's the coolest, but it's the coolest thing ever. Seriously, you, you can't give Rangers anything, anything nice, because they're going to fucking break it, or they're going to lose it. Nothing. Ah, son of a bitch. <laughs> Uh, I'll get another one. The first one I got, I turned into a keychain. That's right. I, I remember that. I remember that. Okay, we're setting up a GoFundMe page for Tom Block's new captain. No, I'm kidding. We're, we, we'll take care. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Go GoFundMe page. Just kidding, guys. Don't do it. Uh, dude, you're, you're the man, dude. I, I We got to have you on again when we got better sound quality, but I, I, I appreciate you just – you've made me laugh today, and I was having a hard day this morning, so I appreciate it, buddy. Thanks, man. So this is good. This is really good. And uh, I'm, I'm glad that we got it in. Good deal. Thanks, Tom. No, we, we really appreciate it. And, you know, part two, I definitely want to get into what you're doing with human trafficking, because as I said, luckily, there's guys like you, George Hand, yeah. um, former Delta operator, who some of you listening may know, uh, working in that field to combat what's going on. Um, but, but we'll definitely follow up soon. I, and I, I love your attitude about everything, which is, I, I think, Chris will say typical of Rangers yeah. to be able to laugh at tragedy. Yeah. We're just idiots. What can we say? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, the humor and silver linings, I'd say, is more along the lines. Of perfect. Well said. But, hey, tell the wife, and and I know your daughter doesn't understand, but give her a hug, man. And, and yeah, be in touch. Holler at me if you need anything, man. You know, hit me up your act, okay? Yep. All, same to you. All right, buddy. Thank you, Tom. And, and th seriously, man, thank you for all that you do. Seriously, because uh, you, I, I said it to Chris before, you have a hell of a resume, man. Yep. Oh, just building. I'm just getting started. <laughs> well said. All right. Thanks, Tom. Take care, buddy. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to the next time. Yeah, please. absolutely. Excellent having Tom Block on. I do apologize for the sound quality stuff. We're, we're kind of figuring things out as, as we go along here. I mean, 
I'll be the first to say, guys, I'm used to recording things in a studio. I am not the most technical guy in the world. Don't pretend to be. Uh, but luckily, we got Tom on for a short but captivating interview, I think, about an incredible mission and an incredible guy. Um, before we move on to some other stuff, Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC-spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger, Fort Scout Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in every state, as well as directly online through fortscoutmunitions.com. Use our exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off uh, any order. When you go to checkout, just enter BATTLELINE, only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scout Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE podcast. You know what? On to something kind of lighter that I was going to mention, because I, I know you and I are the same with the, we don't take social media very seriously. Yeah. It's it's just a shit show, much like uh, the recording of this show so far, which hopefully <laughs> I'll edit together and and for what you guys hear will sound good. But um, I don't even know if you're aware of this, but it, it, yesterday it was on Twitter, which is like the only social media I've personally. Yeah, no, I, don't, I don't ever watch Twitter. I don't yeah. on Twitter on the quarter anymore. No idea. So um, Killer Mike, the rapper, it has been very uh, politically active. And, and look, I'm not in alignment with a lot of his views. I mean, Killer Mike was a Bernie Sanders supporter, um, but he's <laughs> an intelligent guy. He gave, a, he gave a great speech during the riots in Atlanta about how Atlanta needs to act with what's going on and um, how, how people can make an effective change. And it's not by burning buildings. It's not by burning small businesses. And a lot of, in a lot of the cases, black owned small businesses. And a lot of what he said was great. I'd I'd actually urge you guys to check out the whole speech. um, If you look up killer Mike Atlanta, but I bring this up uh, because yesterday he met with the, the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, who's a Republican. And I think that the idea was them meeting together focus on issues, what they do agree upon, what can be changed for the better. And I think that's how you effectively change things. Sure enough, you know, knowing how the world is today, Killer Mike gets uh, crucified, basically, mainly by Democrats of how dare you meet with a Republican governor, you know, who who they feel stole an election. And it's like the guy is effectively trying to make change. Um, So I saw it. And here's what I wrote. I just wrote criticism of Killer Mike. Meeting with a governor he may not agree with shows how politically immature the world is. The only way you make any kind of progress in this world is finding common ground among people with radically different views, not by shouting into an echo chamber. I didn't think I said anything that profound. It was just how I felt. Shot it out there. Suddenly, I noticed, because she follows me, Dana Lash retweeted it, which was pretty cool. Dana Lash has a million followers. Um, she, she's, and, she's and this a real thing nice. blew the fuck up. I had a, vi- I had a viral tweet. And for those wondering, because Chris could tell you he's had viral tweets, not that exciting. It's just a lot of notifications on your phone. But, you know, my day didn't change. I didn't become a celebrity. No one was calling my phone. But it got thousands of retweets. And I was like, and the weird thing is, 
it got retweeted by everyone because I think it was like a bipartisan tweet. So I noticed I had like super right-wing QAnon people retweeting me. And then on the left, I had like Antifa right. people retweeting me. And those people, I'm almost That's- like, I don't know if, you, if you've missed the point because I'm saying we need to meet and be willing to talk to I- anybody, you know? I don't think they, you know, I'm, if they missed the point or not, you still did what it was supposed to be. Did you retreat it as Ian or did you tr- re- retreat it? No, as this was Ian Scotto. I, I don't, if it's my opinion, I don't put it on. It, and, 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 I don't and, even know what your opinion I, it, on the issue would be. That's the thing. But yeah, but I just noticed, you know, shout out to Dana Lash. I noticed, and <laughs> I've been following her career since she filled in for Michael Savage years ago. I know you've been on her show. Oh, and, no, she, and stuff. She, it's, she does a good interview. I, there's people that do good interviews. And there's ones that don't, <laughs> um, yeah. like like uh, Bill O'Reilly, GD interview, because it's just Bill O'Reilly. I hated Bill O'Reilly. That was like the first show I ever did. Awful, awful, because it's just Bill O'Reilly. What can I do to make you look like a shithead? And I like I hated that. I I mean, I, 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 you know what? I could just say this in in my personal opinion. Uh, there's all this talk about cancel culture, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. people. But Bill O'Reilly, if you look at the stuff that he did, and he lives in the town that I'm in. I, He's. I, I'm gonna. This is coming from me. This is Ian Scotto. I don't consider to be a good person. I mean, if you look at his history with his wife and in front of his kids, I don't know if you want me to go into detail for people who don't know. But it's not like he said a bad thing. I just hear when you, you know, the domestic abuse stuff. Uh, you know, it, it's yeah. it's pretty serious. And Dana and and on the positive, I could say Dana Lash, much like Will Cow, who I worked with. They're very well researched, you know, and there's a lot of people who I think feel that they can just get in front of a microphone and state their opinions on things. And uh, it's just an immediate reaction with no research done. And Dana Lash is someone who has a great understanding of the Constitution, of the Second Amendment. Um, and I th- I think she's not someone who just shoots from the hip. And, and no, maybe that's why what I wrote appealed to her. You're right. I, I would compare the two as the same. Being on both their shows quite often, I used to be. Um, Lash, uh, Dana, I would say Lash, Loach's show, and then Woke Out. Yeah, you always say Loach. Say Lo- I, can't, I can't ever say it correctly. So sorry, Dana. She knows that. I'm sorry. I always mess up your name. But they are very well researched. They they, they, yes. they know. And I think maybe it's a super beats, dude. Can you get the super beats? <laughs> That's true. They're both super beats. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> we got to get this. Hey, we got to get some super beats. Uh, but <laughs> that being said, too, you know, we'll get off the O'Reilly thing. I, just using that as a comparison. She is a good sure, interviewer sure. because she she listens. She gives you that chance to, okay, this is what I think, and what do you have to say about it? And granted, it is a friendly interview for me because of being a veteran. She's a huge veteran supporter. Uh, she supported the military. I, I, I she does feel, you know, and I think there's a lot of people in this country that feel what happened to us in Benghazi work was a was a travesty. Um, so I'm not saying that the it's she's. It's a, it's a hard interview for me where if I go on a Jake Tapper show, it's going to be, even though I thought he was great to me as well. I had no issues with going on Jake Tapper show on CNN. He treated me very, very well as well. Um, but that being said, you know, it, it, and, and she does a good job as far as, uh, as far as just being prepared and treating her guests with immense amount of respect. And I've never seen her disrespect a guest, whether she disagreed with him or not. So that being said, that's, that's awesome because that's, that's a, uh, I, you know, if you want somebody to follow you that is more on the right side, it would be Dana. I mean, because it's yeah. she's not in all these crazy theories. She's all right. This is what I think. This is where I'm pulling it from. It's well thought out using common sense. So that's outstanding. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, I just thought it was fun. And, but at the same time, uh, as you kind of talk about, it, it's like I don't I don't live to have a viral tweet. Like it was cool, but it, it <laughs> wasn't the biggest deal. Because um, I know some people, it's it's like, oh, I just want to have a huge following on Twitter. And but that's cares? awesome yeah. that it was both the right. Because that's what we were. It was. It really was. If fantastic. I looked at the followers, it was everyone from Bernie Sanders supporters to. And, and I think that that is what. And actually, Killer Mike said you guys should check out the full speech that killer mike made in my opinion but because what he said too was he was basically like i do not um support rioting burning down buildings what was done to cnn's building but he said you know what cnn he said karma is a mother Karma is and and if you go out there and you stoke the flames of divisiveness and hatred and there's nothing positive that you have to say in the news nothing to uplift people this is what's coming this back, what and, I, and I do blame the media. Hey, that karma is a bitch, and you know what is it? What is it? I can't remember what, what Rowan said, but the stripper's name is Karma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it but, it, but, he, but he's right, and I and I don't know who who what's his name? Uh, Killer Mike, yeah, Magic Mike, whatever. I don't. I, <laughs> you ever I see know. Magic Mike? I'm right. a totally different rappers, rappers to me are like DJ Quick, MC Breeze, Ice Cube. Yeah, yeah, rappers. Yeah. I don't. I don't know any of the new rappers. But that being said. Those guys, the, the right and the, I even say right and left anymore. It's, it's just it creates devices just by saying that. But having people come, they have different political views coming together to try to solve a problem. That's what honestly, that's what these these two presidential candidates take your lead from the governor of Atlanta and our governor of Georgia and also Magic Mike. Or, <laughs> I keep forgetting what's his name again. Killer Mike. Killer, Killer Mike. You have the opportunity right now. This is you've been given this on a silver platter here, Biden and Trump. Here, you have been given this opportunity to bring a country together, and you've also been given the opportunity, if you want to follow the devil's ways, to bring him and push him even apart even further. They could come together just like that and say, "Hey, we got to stop all this bullshit going on." Whether it's uh, getting better regulation with the police, because there's police. Don't don't tell me there's not. There is some. There is some police brutality going. There is. I'm not even going to say I'm not an idiot and going to say there's not. There is. But also with the rioters and burning, like burning buildings and destroying small businesses, you're not even hurting people that you want to hurt. You're hurting people that may even possibly used to support your whatever movement you you're, I don't even know what movement it is now. But as presidents could be, you could the president, the presidential candidates could really come together and bring the country together by showing some camaraderie by showing some agreement by working together instead of saying, Oh, this is your fault. Oh, this is your fault. But that's, that's how we are, man. That's how the presidential elections are anywhere. Any elections even, are anywhere. Even the, uh, even the local elections. I don't know if you've seen the same thing. This is probably, yeah, yeah I have, you know, the first time I'll be honest, I might not vote in a congressional race e- either because I looked up the congressional candidates, Tom Swazi, who's a Democrat here. I do not think he's done a good job. Uh, so I'm not going to be voting for him. And then I look at who's running against Tom Swazi in my district. I just go to his Twitter page and I want to see, all right, what is he going to do to lower taxes? What is he going to do about yeah. all, all different things? And there, there's a lot of Republicans I've seen this with. Their whole platform is like MAGA. I love Trump. And I'm like, but what's what changes do you want to make? That's Which, great. But I want to know what, because you're the Congress, if you're going to become congressman, you're congressman for all of us, no matter who we're supporting. So I want to know what are you going to do for us, the people? I don't really care who you're supporting in the presidential election. And that's become way more. And it is divisive. I don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. I want to hear what your actual platform is. So to just be someone who comes out there, says, I support the president. I love what he's doing. 
uh, and I'm not saying whether you agree or disagree that that's not a platform. That that's and I I don't even know if if we have candidates in any you're right state local, state federal uh, that have really good platforms anymore. It is it's always it's a fault platform. Your fault because this is happening. Your fault because this is happening. Okay, we, we have maybe a few. Th- I, I think ours is Bacon and Eastman, and I, I really don't care for either of them. Don Bacon or Terry Eastman, I, I in Omaha, but it 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 is more. If you see the ads, come on TV, and I, I hate. That's why I watch movies. I don't even watch regular TV anymore because I can't even stand the commercials. But the damn commercials pop up on my on my kids' cartoon shows that he watches on YouTube. I'm like, oh my god, are you kidding me? But it, it's it is it's 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 a fault. Oh, it's his fault. He's doing. Oh, it's his or her fault. Or and it's like shut up, guys. Just shut up and find a way to come together. Would you love to see a president or a, 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 an election, whether it's presidential, local, or state, for two candidates to actually come together and say, you know what, we agree on this. This is where our differences are. Here's my platform on the differences and what we agree on. Here's my platform and the differences what we and what also we agree on. So we've got both. You guys make the decision. It's not. It's just creating divisiveness and who can make the bigger what's a shock value on the, and yeah. I, I'm over it. I, I just I'm so sick of this shit because again, leaders. We have such an opportunity. Our leaders could make such a big example of how to do things and how to bring this country together with the opportunities we've been given with all this divisiveness and all this chaos going on by just coming together. I think if people saw Trump and Biden come together, you would have those crazy. Oh, what are you doing? Meeting. But I think if they continue to do it and they said it in a way that we needed to bring this country together to stop destroying ourselves from the inside, people would rally around that. But I, are we going to have, are they either of them, do they have the balls to do it? No, 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 we're not going to see that happen. Um, it's funny because I was just looking it up though. And this, this will uh, be the opposite point of what we're making, but I did find it funny because everybody on all sides of the aisle are not a fan of this person. There's a, there's a Democrat running, uh, Max Rose. I was looking up his name in Staten Island. And the one ad that he did is his ad is just him going, Bill de Blasio is the worst mayor of New York city ever. That's the ad. And that's, and that's it. That's all he says. He goes, that's the ad. And he's a fellow Democrat. Oh my lord! Well, I mean, it's, it's it has about as much information in it as everybody else says. You know, say uh, uh, for 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 but for Magic Mike out there, I know I'm making fun, bro. Because I, I, I just I, I follow. The, I don't know any of the new rapper. I got no idea. Um, but you know, kudos to you for and and also the governor of of Georgia to come together and work. At least you're trying to set the right example, whether others follow you or not. You tried, you did, and that is the that is is half the battle right there is getting out front, and and I think he's from what I understand. Tell me if I'm wrong. I'm sure he's this way. Um, most rappers are very gregarious, very very outgoing. I'm sure he doesn't give two shits about it, whoever's condemning him. <laughs> like I don't care. Yeah, probably know. not. And and the thing with him too is I will say, man, he's he's a very politically astute guy you know there's there's people who don't seem to have a grip on the issues and they'll, they'll come out there and they'll state their opinions he actually seems to really have have a more widespread view of what's going on it seems and, like he and cares about atlanta his, his very much yeah no he, he spoke about the the small business owners there and black owned business there and you know why are you going to destroy your own neighborhood and um but like i said he's not a guy i agree with on many things i just like seeing people come together and find some solution i mean for example, most Republicans I talk to and most Democrats I talk to are in agreement that we shouldn't be throwing people in prison for smoking marijuana. 
you know, thing, almost everybody I talk to agrees in that. You know, prison should be for rapists and murderers and child predators. Hard, hardcore be for, Yeah, not a kid in the hood, you know, selling a, a gram of uh, weed. And I, Abraham, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we, we put an overburden on just the just the criminal justice system and just the housing corrections. How much money is spent on corrections per day to have somebody? But yeah, we, we people can research that and study that. And, and that is one thing I do remember going through all that graduate level stuff when I was getting my master's in criminal justice is the cost of corrections. And I, that's been an argument since what? When did I go through? Ninety six, ninety seven. Um, it was, uh, was the, the argument of is corrections even worth it and the money being spent? Is it worth spending that amount of money to throw somebody in prison for selling a, for selling weed? Well, that's a gateway drug. Well, maybe, uh, you know, I, 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 I agree there. It's, it's, it's stuff that, that, that they do need to come together and, and figure out what's best. Now, yeah, releasing yeah. hardcore prisoners because of the COVID, I don't agree with Crazy. that. Crazy. Ridiculous. Yeah, 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 no, it's, it, it's, it's, it's just hypocritical, man. It's, it's, it's just it makes no and sense. And it's stuff that, that any mainstream, I think, Republican or Democrat is in agreement on. And, and those are the things we can come together and say, this does not make sense. Let's do, I mean, there's no reason the U.S. should have the largest prison population. No. It's not because more of us are criminals. It's because no. we have a lot of absurd laws. It's exactly, exactly right. I mean, we don't have any more criminals than, than a lot of the, if by the definition of what we call criminal, um, yeah, there's there are tons more uh, outside of the outside of the border of the United States of America. But you know, coming back to politicians, that's that's the way the elections go. You've got to create these divisive differences. You can't come together and agree on anything because that doesn't get you votes. What gets you votes is how bad is the other person and how awful their their choices and their their how awful their whatever their their platform is uh, instead of hey well you know what they they did well on this we're going to keep this but this is not this is where I have my platform is a little different but I, that's why I just I never get into politics because you can't be a good you can't you can't be a honest good person to get into politics you, you have to be somebody that's just conniving and two-faced and manipulative and for you politicians out there hearing me you don't like what i'm saying you can't see me right now but <laughs> you can, I, I, I got two fingers up for you because that's what i think I, and I've, I've been around enough of them to and been in the middle of my own shit show with politics to know that that's the case regardless of what political side you're on yeah so um i wanted to bring up one more issue uh, going on currently. I know we don't do a lot of current event stuff, but I just thought it was, you know, this audience might be aware of it. I mean, have you, have you heard about the whole canceling Netflix stuff going I, on? I haven't. And then I read what you, you, you gave me the little, the cheat sheet. I just wrote cancel Netflix. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I searched it and, you know, I, yeah. and, um, I, I saw it. I, you know, you could talk about it first. I have my, you know, I've, I've got my own opinions on it. I don't, I won't put a long opinion on it for me, but that's also my short opinions are about 10 minutes long too, but yeah, go ahead. dude. No, I mean, I, you and I often talk about the whole uh, boycotting of companies and it's something we usually laugh about. We're we're like, you know what, Ben and Jerry's, yeah, they're super left wing. You know, it's not, you know, and you talk about Disney and them doing stuff with Kaepernick, it might not be stuff we agree with, but for me, it's never been enough to uh, say I'm going to boycott this company because it is what it is. I might not be happy with it, but 
the Netflix stuff, I, I actually do think they've crossed the line completely. And I completely get why people are going to cancel Netflix, and I probably will too. I mean, to put a show on the air that is basically pro- appealing to pedophiles, yeah. I mean, that's what it is. Is that what it is? I, what it is. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you have like 11-year-olds twerking on a stage, and they're like, oh, well, it makes a point about social, you know, uh, values out there and, and sex being sold to minors. Well, you know, don't – how about don't put that on – the video, you know, uh, on demand for Netflix where people could watch that and stream yeah. it. You can make a point without showing that. Yeah. And I think people should be completely disgusted by it. And I think the only way you're going to get through to that, that we are not okay with it, is to cancel Netflix. It, it, and I, I probably will myself. Is the show, like, is it is it condemning it? Or is it actually perpetuating that this should be accepted in society now a pedophilia is that what is because that's what i don't understand i i don't i'm not familiar with the show i i, I read it i looked at it and i couldn't so i'm asking opinion and either way i don't think pedophilia should be on air regardless no. whether you know you're you're condemning you know but that being said um I always say that being said. Always say that, man. I got to stop doing that. Um, <laughs> we all have you shouldn't. And, and for as far as the movement, the, the problem I have with movements is I believe they have the opposite effect. Uh, you're just, ah, we're going to condemn this. We shouldn't. I guarantee you more people are going to, they're going to watch that damn show. Whether they don't want really? to or not, the curiosity is going to get to them in there. And I, but I agree with you, dude. I, I think it's completely fucking wrong. I just think it has an opposite effect with the human nature and especially us, the United States. But I, but I do think if people literally, you know, either go online or call Netflix and say, hey, yeah, I'm yeah. canceling and here's the reason I'm canceling. If enough people do it, they're going to realize that that we're not, you know, and it, it's not even just so much a movement. It's just, hey, I'm not I'm not giving you money to put this out there. When, well, as for what you were asking, I mean, it's a movie and it's apparently a movie about how kids are being sexualized. But in the movie itself, you have 11 year olds in like skimpy outfits doing very adult you know dances on stage like they're at a strip club and i have no idea how anyone could say we need to put this on tv we need to put this on demand it's it's disgusting it's virtue in in society which there isn't it's why we have so many damn laws the only reason we have laws in this country is because people don't have virtue anymore um if we had virtue and we listened to the bible we wouldn't need as many laws but you think we can regulate ourselves but that's getting back on the virtue and and whoever made it obviously has none and i don't know is doing it for shock value maybe they got a bunch of money for it maybe they believe that pedophilia should be should be accepted and i'm telling you right now no. i and i'll never watch the show am i going to get in with the cancel netflix movement no will i cancel netflix maybe maybe will i watch the show no do i accept pedophilia hell no catch you trying to pick up on a kid i'll cut your nuts off but I, you can i hope we don't edit that out because that's god yeah. honest truth um that's sick as shit to have you know there's a line where I'll, I'll accept things and as right and left and you got that's the line that you cross that is i agree line. there's I, always got to be a there's always has to be a line and and when i saw what was going on with that for me that definitely crossed the line I, man that, that goes well beyond politics I, and you're right it goes on with humanity there we vote we're big on battleline podcast we are and many are both about just being good humanity being good humans that isn't and to say that we need to, you, to, we need to accept pedophilia as a what is it? Is it as our as a gender or what? It, how was it? Like, I, I have no. I guess sexual orientation. And I don't even know if that's. Bullshit. I think that 
the the thing is, and and the people in defense of it are saying, well, this is a show talking about the issue of children being sexualized. But the whole point I'm making and that others are making, you don't need to actually show that you show to it. make a point. <laughs> you, you don't, you know, you don't need to to do uh, crack to make a point about hard drugs. Yeah, that's good. Good. I like that. Good analogy. Yeah, you don't. You don't. Yeah, and uh, Netflix gets taken off the air people cancel it or they go bankrupt i would lose it because of this hey karma's a bitch sorry you shouldn't have been should have been an idiot you guys should have been stupid and put that shit on the air um so uh i i would i i I said i'm not big into movements because i and a lot of times i see that it has an opposite effect but i also agree i do i agree with with people if they said i'm going to cancel netflix Eh, all right cool no problem with it, Ian. Same as you, Ian. Like Ian, I'm going to cancel it. Okay, I I completely see your reasoning, and I I agree. I would support that. So um, so it's hard. It's hard. I'm I'm caught in a situation because I'm being a half hypocrite, saying I don't want to get in the movements, but if people said I'm going to do this, and yeah, I mean, for me, it's not even a a, a movement. Yes, just we're right talking about it right now, which gives it publicity. I totally get it, but I'm never going to talk about it again. I'm just going to cancel it, and you're never going to hear anything about it again from <laughs> and me. That's the perfect I'm not, not going to be on a rampage about it. You that's know? the perfect way to do it, right there. Cancel yeah. it, shut the hell up. But yeah. then they go on rampages, and it keeps going. Well, and it's, that's why I honestly believe that we have the Colin Kaepernick issue with the kneel of the flag. And I said that if people would just shut up about it, it would have went away. But we keep – that's why I don't I, – I don't get into the you – know, I hate Colin. He nailed. Okay, Neil, leave it alone. Just leave yeah. it on and not talk about it anymore. I I know I'm going to stand and leave it at that with this issue here where I'm getting at. Cancel it. If you're going to cancel Netflix because of that reason, tell Netflix to never talk about it again. And and it'll go away. It, it, it usually does. When you start talking about something, it usually goes away. Yeah. No, it makes sense <laughs> to me, man. Um, with that, are you watching football now that football no. is back? I'm not a big football guy. Nah. I've just I've been watching my Islanders in the uh, in the playoffs. I I really it just it first of all it, it to say that people in the stands doesn't bring things to the game is that's a lie. It, it's so boring. I tried to watch baseball, and baseball is not feeling not exciting. So I with nobody in the stands, it's no, it's boring. It, it really that brings brings something to it, but also. Because of their political displays, nah, it, it, and I, I, I could care less anymore. It's, it's not interesting me more. Um, I don't want to see their politics. I, I, I have a special place in my heart for flat for the flag because of the because of what I've done for this country and what I've seen other people give even more, like like Tom Block for this country, but um. No, it's, it's it's not even fun to watch anymore, and it's sad because I, I remember doing that with my father. It was sort of when you watch football, Monday Night Football, and you you can remember Howard Cosell back when I was younger and hear that voice, or your John Madden when he used to when he used to be the broadcaster for uh, for Sunday Football, and all that special nostalgia that you grew up with, and you continue to watch sports because of that. That's that's gone because of the players. Yeah. They destroyed it. They completely destroyed it. Here you go, egos. Have it. Have at it. Years now, I want nothing to do with it. And I played football. I love football. That's why I paid for college. That's why I played for college. I actually was a pretty decent football player, and I grew up around Division One college football, national championship team, where my dad coached at Brigham Young University. Growing up around Steve Young and Jim McMahon, people like that, who I mentioned before. So football was with my family for years. My son plays in high school, but as far as pro goes, 
uh, I'm over it. Um, I don't know. I, I'm really over any sports anymore. I really don't care for any of it. And athletics was huge in my life all the way up through the military. So, um, to be to be fair, even though there's been politics injected into it, you know, we're all of it Broadway. I will say hockey has been the least political. Hockey, you watch yeah, game, ask, you're not seeing a whole lot of politics. And, and that's and that's good. I, I didn't know that's what I was going to ask you is, is hockey. I, I, I used to be a huge Flyers fan. I love the Philadelphia Flyers. I don't know why. Um, yeah. And, we, um, haven't we both <laughs> talked about how Philly fans are the worst? <laughs> I don't know what it was. Yeah, maybe it was their uniforms. Um, but I think it was because I used to play the old EA sports and they were my favorite team. They had a guy that was tremendous. If I said his name, you'd probably remember his life. It was when Gretzky played, but it was a young guy coming up on the Flyers and he was the fastest guy on EA sports hockey. So okay. that's why I like the Flyers. Um, but um, yeah, yeah, and that's good to hear. I, I, I mean, it's one sport, at least keeping it as it should be a sport because it makes people. Yeah, there's been, there's been a little bit, but I'm just saying not nearly as much as basketball, for example. Oh, uh, well, yeah, that's, and that's good to hear. I'm glad that there's still something that people can just watch and remember with their families where we don't have to get bombarded by a side anymore or movements anymore or any of that other. And it is, it's bullshit. Any of that anymore. Just live, man. Just live. Enjoy your life. And sports and professional sports are part of us enjoying our lives. It's entertainment, guys. It is. Sorry to tell you this. That's where you get paid millions of dollars. It's entertainment. So be entertaining. I, I, and let us remember what we did growing up with our mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters as we watched growing up over the years and remembering coming together. Even if that was only that night for that week, like me and you did with your family, that one night, my dad was always gone. But on Monday night, we he'd come home so we could watch football together. My Monday night football, and, and again, I don't think players realize that they ruined that nostalgia. They ruin all that that good of this country, which is part of professional sports, especially professional football, which is our football everywhere else is soccer here. They just they took it away. It's like they ripped away part of everybody's childhood and they don't see it that way. Yeah, but um, that's it is what it is. And that's why I just I don't watch it. I don't I turn it off because it's just it's it's almost like I'm watching. I'm just watching a shit show now. I don't want to watch it. Well, you know, um, coming to a close here with this show, and it's great having Tom on. Any final thoughts you want to share about Glenn Bob Doherty and Ty Woods <sighs> and Sean Smith? And, you know, because people want to hear that from you. Yeah, I, I, um, no, I, those guys were heroes. They were, they're heroes. I hate it. Don't people call me, I'm no hero at all. At all. You know, Roan and Bob are heroes. I still remember before the hit, before the mortars hit them and, I remember watching. I did a little post. I did the one post I ever do on Instagram, and, and I'm off. But I, before that, I had scratched up my arm. It fell off a wall when we were climbing into the consulate. The, the wall actually crumbled on me, and I had all this weight. I mean, I just I had a just huge, massive scratches down my arm, which wasn't bad. I mean, scratch. I was lost. I was lost his arm. I'm talking about scratch, but they were they were and they were bleeding pretty bad and stuff. And it would have been about six hours since that had happened and Roan was on the radio. Roan was our medic as well. He was our 18 Delta and Roan's on the radio because I got a spot. Anybody need any first aid and need me to come up and say, well, I've got some pretty bad cuts on my arm. Could you come up and, and bring me some bands? Some, I was going to wrap it with gauze because I didn't have anything to put on it. So he brought up and he brought, say, I mean, he, and he's running around taking care of everybody because he's our medic. So he's just going crazy. He's, Roan was awesome. 
And he comes up, and I do remember, I do remember him coming up, and he had a bottle of saline solution in this this hand, and a bunch of gauze in this hand, and he had a wrap in this in his in the boat. So he's coming up, he's got his gun jingling, he's coming up all his on, and he's sweating just profuse. I mean, he because he's just still kicking ass, he's still tearing up, and he rinses my my cuts out, and then he puts a little shit, and then he wraps them up, and he says, "You good?" And I said, "I'm good to go." And he went back down, and then he went up to the roof, and boom, boom, boom. But it, it's just amazing that even through all that, his mindset was to still take care of us, and that 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 was hard because that 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 God, that that because uh, you know we're all thinking, hey, we got to defend, we got to. I'm just thinking, I'm killing everything that's coming over this wall. And his mindset was not just that, but it was, I still got to take care of everybody. But that's where you find most medics. And, you know, and Tom talked about his medic. Medic, combat medics are, I mean, they're, they're godsend. They're, they're warriors more than just a warrior. They, they, cause they're, they're looking to save all your lives while they're taking lives. And, you know, he was, I, I could tell he was just, just wore out ragged because it was about four, it was five in the morning at that and um, yeah, I just I remember I just remember him rinsing it out. We joked a little bit, and I still got a little scar. The scars have healed pretty good, but um, you know, it's just it still was amazing to me that that he's just climbing up those ladders, taking care of everybody. He brought me a Snickers bar too. It's like I know you like these. He threw me a Snickers bar because I was hungry, and then he got back <laughs> off the roof. And you know, it's 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 because you know that's the last time I said anything to him too. And um, we didn't always get along either. Ronan, I'm not going to say Ronan was my best friend or nothing. We, we weren't. He was a great, great teammate and a great leader. Um, and we had our differences. But, you know, when all that was going on, every one of us that had our differences, they all were put aside. We didn't care about any differences. It was, let's just get the job done. And and the job was to save as many people as we could. Uh, we, we tried to save everybody, but for sure. And you do. That's just how it goes. Well, Honestly, we love you, man. And I say we, meaning me, the audience, <laughs> the people who followed you over the years, the people who go to Battleline Tactical Courses. And I'm not, you know, I didn't mean to try to make you tear up. I just, I, I know no. it's an important day. It's, it's the elephant in the room. You can't not acknowledge. No, yeah, I, 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 you have to, I, I have to get it out, or else it eats me up. Oh, I, I appreciate it. You know what? On, on a, on a lighter note, and we'll end it with this, um, because I actually forgot about it because of how much we've done this whole show. Got a great email from uh, John Fox. We also got a, you know, I'll read real quick. We got a good review, and it, I really yeah, appreciate read it. you guys hey, re- read the reviews. It, yeah, I'll read the review real quick, and then I have the question. Um, but I, I thought this was cool. Someone wrote uh, Blue Ridge Blades on uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wrote, I have listened to most of these podcasts, and it is awesome. I constantly hear you guys talking about writing things down. I am a writer and reader with brothers and sisters like these in Western North Carolina. This is how we address our demons. Writing it down has helped me and my family. We have reached so many other veterans. Thank you for putting that word out. So I thought that was a cool, that was cool. review. Yeah. And I don't even realize how much we talk about writing things down, but apparently we do. We do. Here we still write it, write it down, write it down. Cause you, that's some, just helps get it out. You never know that look back a few years after writing a ton of stuff down. You may, you may have your own story to tell. For sure. Um, all right. And, and then here's an email from uh, John uh, sent to battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. And this is a great question for you. Um, so with the COVID idiocracy going on, owning a firearm has become more common. Most people in my situation, husband, father of three, limited income, thanks to taxes, 
are not able to afford training as often as we'd like. Um, and classes are once a year, poss- a once a year possibility yeah. if everything aligns perfectly. <clears throat> what drills can we do with a small amount of ammunition to improve our speed, accuracy, and lethality as firearm owners? Great question from John. Well, yeah, if you can't go to the range, and yeah, it's just it's, now it's even hard to find ammo. Well, because of all the primers that you, people are running out of primers and because all the primers, the little the thing that makes a bullet explode and go explosive, they're all made in China. Again, how ironic is <laughs> Boy, we need to be our country. I've said it so many times. We need to become more self-sufficient and stop relying on other countries for things because we find ourselves in this mess. But dry fire exercises are great. Um, you don't need any ammo. And all you're doing is uh, you just. Get a little sheet of paper, little two by uh, eight by eleven sheet of notebook paper. Draw a little circle or something on it that you want to aim at. Press your, you know, and practice pressing your your firearm out. And I mean, I'm doing it, and you can't see what I'm doing, but I'm pressing <laughs> it out and lining up your sights, making sure your sights are lined up, rear sight, front sight apertures lined up, and and then you just press the trigger, and you're watching to see if that muzzle dips. What you're doing is you're trying to control. Uh, uh, you're trying to trying to control that muzzle uh, best you can where you're not seeing it dip, where you're seeing it stay level. That, that helps. What it does is helps get you uh, not only your practice of sight picture, but it gets you better sight alignment. And it also helps you just have a good, good follow through a press and a follow through on your trigger press, or sometimes they call it squeeze. I know a lot of you gun nuts don't like to hear squeeze anymore, especially all you cool guy, cool guy uh, instructors out there. But um, what it, it, it gets you uh, a more level shot, you're going to have a more accurate shots time and time again. It's just called dry fire drills. And the best thing you can do is honestly, if you need, just look on the internet. Internet's this is one of the great things the internet is for is to learn basic stuff like this. to search dry fire drills, and there's really there, there's only really a, one way to do it. Even though you have eight million, I would assume as long it. as the person doing it is good, because anybody <laughs> could make a YouTube video. Yeah, but you know, it doesn't have, you don't have to get on a video. There are actually write-ups on, on manuals and the military army, the PM training manuals, dry fire. We have dry fire cool. exercises, and you know, go look for the actual manuals, and it'll walk you through it. Those are the best thing to do, and they're inexpensive, and it. You're doing it over and over again. You've got that habitual movement. You don't need to spend any money. You can do it right in your house. And then when you do have the money, you know, go and grab you some rounds. Just grab you good training rounds. Don't go spending money, a ton of money on Gucci rounds, which, you know, which are your, that's your home defense stuff. That's your hydro shock. That's your Fort Scott munitions or your 115 grand. That's your, that's your look for range rounds. Some of them are reloads. They're not always going to shoot. They're always going to fire because they're range or reloads, but you're also not spending a dollar around, which is too expensive for a train. But the easy thing to do is, is to get as dry fire drills. And if you have money, if you have a little extra money, it's going to cost you a little bit in the beginning, but it'll save you in the long run. There's this thing called the Mantis X dry fire system, or it's a drive live fire system, but you can put it on your phone put a target down range and actually it will track every time you press a trigger and it will tell you what you're doing wrong and what to correct on. And it's tremendous. I actually use it and it's, I've made me, a, I mean, I mean it, it's helped me become a better shooter. So you'd have to pay for that system and it can get a little expensive, but in the long run, it will save you money because you won't be spending money on ammo. You can do a lot of your dry fire drills just at your house. So yeah, there you go. Awesome, man. All right. Any questions, as always, guys, uh, battlelinepodcast at gmail.com. We just spoke about Fort Scott Munitions. So uh, throwing in once again for you guys, Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented 
solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results every time you pull that trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through fortscottmunitions.com. Use exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE podcast. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this. And, and Chris, I, I thank you for uh taking the time today man i know that yeah. you know it's it's a it's a wild day and the cool thing for you though from what i know is for once you're able to kind of chill at your house and not be doing a yeah engagement uh, or something like yeah that. That's, that's that was hard those were the worst days but that's when you learn those three that three years after benghazi was another chapter that i had to learn from through pain and and suffering and all, a lot of that was self-inflicted it wasn't anybody else's fault but my own but that was one of them so yeah this is lessons learned and and you learn from everything but like i said and you always say we always say keep grinding just keep going forward and you'll get out of it and i did and i'm in a great place and we've got a great show going on here and like i said even me and ian don't agree on everything but the show no. i think it works well because we have our disagreements and we still get along at least i still think we get along do we we still get along <laughs> i hope so yeah <laughs> no. no it's true though it is true and, and it's you know it, that that's life though and i think it's also just part of doing a podcast you don't you don't talk to most of your friends about as much as we do so you're gonna disagree on some things here and there of course you know that's what brings the podcast is that you can disagree president trump and and, our, and biden you can disagree on things and you can still come together get along and make something successful and not I, not going to happen in that case. Yeah, we're, we're just, I'm just trying to throw it out there. At least I, at least I feel better that I've said something. Yeah. <laughs> said something. No, and, I, I, and, you know, I think it's it's more on us, man. Uh, I, I think the, the labels sometimes, you know, you and I are both center-right guys, but I think sometimes the labels hurt us of uh, that you have to come together as a group and this group is your enemy. And I think people need to realize that, you know, your political, uh, the people who disagree with you politically, they're not the Taliban. You know, they're your fellow Americans. They they did they didn't hit the trade towers. They didn't blow up. You know, they didn't ram it with the jets, the two jets. I think that's what we we need to figure out. We're we're not our own enemies, even though oh we're gonna no we're not. We're gonna have differences. It's okay. Have the differences. Fix problems that we have. Um, Don't let other movements or groups try to pull you into their mass hysteric because they're, they're making money off it guys i don't think you realize they're making shitloads of money off of our differences and just turn it off and just turn it off and go outside I, it's as easy as that i just don't get it. i don't get how how much harder it could be to just turn all that shit off go outside listen to the, the wind blow trees leaves blow go talk to your neighbor you guys aren't fighting we've been getting along fine so but, you know, everybody's got to figure out for themselves, Ian. They just got to.
That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battleline Podcast and on Twitter at Battleline Pod. To sign up for future Battleline tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself, face all challenges head on, and as always, never quit. <laughs> <laughs>